KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I can treat these girls like they're my own. So I have kids. I know what they're going through, and I know how I want my kids to be treated by a coach. So I think it really comes back to the relationships. I feel like coaching is about relationships, and all the girls that we've crossed paths with, every girl that I have, all my players, you form this relationship with. I think that's kind of fun and unique. You kind of had a part in their lives, which is, is neat for me to see them do all that stuff. And our guest this week is Villanova head softball coach Bridget Orchard. Uh, frankly, one of the best Division One softball coaches in the country. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. So I guess my first question is, you were a star player at Villanova, but how does someone that was pre-law, as I understand it at one point, end up with approaching 800 victories as a head softball coach kind of how did that start um well I needed a job (laughs) so basically um I played at Villanova I graduated I was working in their athletic department and then the Cabrini College softball job opened and obviously I had played softball but I I needed a job I was a non-paid intern in the athletics at Villanova at the time so I went over for an interview not really thinking that I was going to get it because I just graduated I ended up getting the job and they were awesome. Like it just was a great experience at Cabrini, and it kind of got me into coaching. I loved it, and continued on from there. Were you at that point, kind of, uh, you know, maybe the law is not for me, and looking for something yeah, else? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, think I did, and that's the thing. I did internships with. The, I wanted to do sports law. I thought I was going to be Jerry Maguire. Like, okay, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do sports law. So I knew I wanted to be in athletics somewhere. But I thought lawyer. I think I thought I was going to make a lot of money and be this big time lawyer. I did internship. I wasn't great at it. And then I did the coaching for a job, and I loved it, and the passion. It didn't even feel like a job when I was at Kareem. It was just something fun to do. So I thought I was excited to do something that I was getting paid, and it was really fun. So then, obviously, the Division One job opened up, and it just I never planned on being a coach. That wasn't my intention at all. It's just I need a job. Let's see how it goes. And then it was went from there. So let's start uh, from ground zero. When does softball come into your life? Was this something – Five, six years old, you start playing and you fall in love. Was it your late coming? How did you come to it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely when I was younger, my brother played basketball, so he was always doing basketball. My parents were big into our sports. It's just me and my older brother. He played. I followed him. I, you know, I swam, played soccer, basketball, softball. I did everything, but I think he took the basketball route, so I wanted to do something a little different. I started playing travel softball. I fell in love with it. Did it every summer. Obviously did it in the spring for my high school team, liked that the most out of what I was doing, and then obviously went into college to do it. But it was it was something that I didn't, again, like, oh, I'm just going to only play softball. Nowadays, everybody just plays one sport. I played everything. So I did soccer, softball, basketball. I did everything I could possibly do, athletic. I think it was following my brother's footsteps. So I kind of did everything he did. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do something a little different than follow the basketball route. And I ended up doing softball, and it was ended up being something I was better at. So you grew up Binghamton area or yep. in Binghamton? Yep, in Binghamton, New York. So when do you start to realize that I'm really good at this, I love it, and I can probably take this farther than most of the kids I'm playing with? Um, I don't know if I ever realized it. I think I always just had fun playing. Like I always just enjoyed playing, and I played because it was fun. I'm very competitive. I love winning. I want to be compete, competing at everything we do. I think that's in our household, too. I was kind of raised on that. Like, we were, we want to win everything, whether it's, like, kickball in gym class or, you know, finding a parking spot. I'm like, oh, I win. I get this parking spot. Like, anything we do is competitive. So I think I kind of fell in love with the passion of, obviously, the sport itself and being competitive and winning and then seeing where it could take me. And then, obviously, looking into colleges, Villanova, you know, caught my eye. I was recruiting, going there, and ended up loving the school. So it kind of fit together. What was it about? The Villanova that sold you on becoming a wildcat. It's funny you say that because I was talking to somebody the other day about it. When you drive onto campus, you look to the left, there's Villanova written in flowers. 
that's what I loved. Everybody's like, what? And I'm like, I really like, that's what caught me. I'm like, I want to come here because like, there's flowers on campus. But it was like the, my first thing, like a gut instinct when I drove onto campus and they're still there. They're these purple Villanova flowers. It says Villanova and purple flowers. And that's what I saw. And so I got on campus and it was just beautiful and everybody was so nice and friendly and it was family-like. And then I met Maria, who was the head coach at the time, and I watched the team play. And even the girls that were on the visits with me, they were so nice. I was like, oh, I really like this atmosphere. And then as soon as I visited, I wanted to go there. So you were an infielder, correct? Yep, second baseman. I pitched, but I wasn't very good. But I could pitch. Like, I pitched in high school, so that's what I did. I still pitch batting practice now, so it's good to have the experience. But I was a second baseman in college, mostly. What is it about the game that you love? I mean, just talking to you, and this is the first time we've met, and in the first four or five minutes, this, the passion just explodes out of you for softball. What is it you love about it? Um, I just like the game itself, like everything about it, like the speed of it. And that was kind of compared to obviously like baseball. Some of them were always like softball. It's closer. It's faster. And there's diving plays and there's home runs and the strategies behind it. And there's so many different things. And you can be really good at defense, but really good at offense. And you, some people can do both really well on the pitching and the speeds and just the, the intensity of it. And I love the fact that, you know, it's not timed. And sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But it's like you get, you're going to get your at-bats. You're going to get your outs. You have 21 outs. And you got to w- use all those outs. And I, just, I like to be gritty and, like, diving, getting dirty. So I think that that's the thing that I like about it. It's not a contact sport, but yet it's still a tough sport, in my opinion. So I think it's just one of those fun things where you're scoring. And a lot of times, like, you know, you get, you're getting behind, you get ahead. It's kind of a game of momentum, and you really, I feel like you need to be into the game passionately and really be into it to be a good player, and that's kind of what I think that I like about our team is getting them up to that. So we kind of we talked about you, you finish your college career, and you had that space there where you were an unpaid intern or whatever. Uh, did you think at that point softball was done before you get you, after you graduate and before mm-hmm. you get the job at Cabrini? Had you kind of come to grips that, you know, maybe I can play in my work league or but yeah, yeah, no. was done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't think that I was I thought it was like a great, you know, dude in college and made a lot of friends and that was my career and now I'm gonna go get a real job. That's why I thought I'll go to law school and make a lot of money. I think I thought it sounded good, you know, and then I actually tried to do it. I'm like, I'm not good at this. And then I didn't even realize even back then it, I had to do I was the head coach at Cabrini, but I was also the director of student activities. So it wasn't even like even my Cabrini job, I think it paid like $2,000. Like that was like my job, but then I was director of student activities, which is like my full-time job at Cabrini. So I had to do both. So it still was just kind of like a side gig, and then I kind of incorporated it, and then I did that pretty much. I spent full-time doing it, but obviously it was still just a part-time job. But I definitely thought like softball was done, and I thought even taking that Cabrini job, I was like, oh, this will be fun to do until I find a real job. Right. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm just going to do this. It'll be fun. I'll hang out with the girls. I'll still be involved in college. Um my husband, who I was dating, was still at Villanova, so I was like, oh, I'll be still be around here. He's here. This will be great. But no, nowhere near where I thought it would have taken me where I am now. I thought I'd do it for a few years until I, until I got a paid job. So that was, I think it was 98 you get hired at Cabrini. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was reading when you got into the Cabrini Hall of Fame, they did a write-up. You kind of inherited pretty much... You know, start all basically almost starting from scratch, it sounds like. Pretty much, yeah. Like, we went to our first, I had the tryouts, and my first day, I go to their tryouts, and some girls showed up without gloves. And I'm like, um, you need gloves. <laughs> I remember peeking in the gym, and I was nervous, and I was scared. I'm like, okay, I give myself a pep talk, and I'm peeking in, and I'm like, they don't even have gloves on. Like, I don't know if they can play. Like, this is going to be crazy, you know? And I think that was the fun of it, because they didn't, like, we literally would have, like, eight girls, and, you know, we're like, okay, we got to 
find people to play. We had basketball players like, hey, have you ever played softball in your life? Can you get on the field and swing and catch? And so it was. It was kind of building it from scratch. And there was no expectations. And it was so fun because I could do pretty much anything I wanted to. I made it my own drills. And we just tried to trial by error. And you weren't being judged. And they weren't worrying about wins and losses. I mean, we didn't have a softball field. We like, would find like random fields on campus to practice. We would like throw popcorn kernels to hit because we didn't have equipment. And one game we showed up, we had like one bat. So on deck batter couldn't even swing because we had like one bat there passing back and forth. But when I look back, it's that's some of my funner days because I think that there's like just, almost a romance to it. Yes, it was, so, it, was just, yeah. it was so much fun and it wasn't for anything else. Like other girls that played, we played because it was fun and we got after it and we'd all pitch in like a dollar and buy a pizza. That was like our dinners. And now they're like going, you know, we're giving meal monies and going to steakhouses. It's so different, which is great now because you get all this stuff. But back then it was like, man, we didn't, we didn't do any of that and we just loved playing and it was super fun. So it's fascinating because of your unique situation. You were, you've never been an assistant because you, no. you jumped right into head coach and how much do you think, I don't, I want to, you've had so much success, and we'll talk about some of the numbers as we go through, but how much of the success is that from day one, you've had programs and been able to do it your way? I, I mm-hmm. it's, un, you know, because some people will become assistants in any sport and they'll kind of, they'll do their thing, but it's based off of what they learned from X, Y, and Z. And I mean, obviously you played for a great coach, Maria at Villano, mm-hmm. but not many people start from their beginning of their coaching career as a head coach and they get to do it from day one the way they want to do it. How much does that figure into what you've become, you think? Yeah, oh no, definitely. I think I've been super blessed and a lot of times so you just fall into this and like you said, do it your own way. Like I was never afraid to make mistakes. Like I think that was what made me be able to do what I do because I made tons of mistakes along the way and I'm still making mistakes, but it's like I was, I was doing my own thing. I'm like, here, let's see what happens. Jump in and do it your own way and kind of come up with your own philosophies, change your philosophies. You know, I had a lot of mentors along the way that I kind of researched and talked to and I've gone to tons. I'm not afraid to ask for help. And still even to this day, I'm always like, how do you do this? How do you go here? I do this. I think that's because I did it so young and I didn't know what I was doing. I was used to asking for what kind of drills do you do or how, what's your defenses here? How do you defend this? How do you, what are your hitting philosophies? And I think that that's helped me because I've always not really – you know, cared who got the credit for it. I was like, I'm just going to do it. We want to win. This is how we're going to get it done. And like, we'll even ask the players, like, hey, what, how do you defend a first and third? What do you feel comfortable doing? And I'll t- I learn more from them. I think sometimes they learn from me. So I'm always asking them and getting their ideas and kind of like, so like formulating kind of my philosophies and what I'm doing. But it's all based on experiences and what's worked and what's didn't, what hasn't worked. So I think that that was huge for me to be able to do that. Like, I love that I was sometimes I'm like, oh, I've never been an assistant. I've never been able to, like, like you just said, like, learn from somebody. How do they do it? I'm like, I don't know. I just did it. I jumped in and I said, here we go. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to plan practices. This is what we're going to do. And I had to deal with, you know, same thing with financial aid and admissions. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just had to do it. I think Cabrini was a great spot because I had so many mentors there that can show me how to do it and get me started. So I really had a good four-year footing before I jumped into that Division One. So with that first year, you're 23, 24, you know, you're coaching players that are 19 to maybe 21, 22. I mean, obviously it worked out because you had phenomenal <laughs> success, but was it difficult being that close in age, but being the authority figure, did it did it lead to problems that maybe if you're 29, 30, 31, you don't have because of that that age closeness? Yeah, no, I think it was actually an advantage back then. I mean, it was written at the time. I think it was weird what we even talk about now. Like, I'm still really close to that first group that I had at Cabrini. Again, we were like the same age. But you didn't think of it as nowadays, though, like you would hang out and do stuff like it wasn't wasn't frowned upon before. Like we had one of the girls got inducted into the Hall of Fame. We were telling stories. I'm like, well, you can't tell that story. You can't tell that story. But it was like when we did it then, like we weren't worried about, like I said, being an authority figure and telling what to do, how to do it. They all wanted to be there. It was, for, it was more for fun. So it was like when we did things, I mean, obviously I was their coach and I was telling them, you know, plays and practices. But honestly, like they just did. So they wanted to be there. I think that was the thing. You weren't worried about 
getting in trouble or following them. They all just they wanted to be there. They were friends. And it was again, we had probably my first year we had twelve players. Like we had enough to field the team. But there was only twelve of them, so now you don't have you have scholars. We didn't have scholarships, you weren't worried about that. Parents weren't heavily involved as they are now. So it was really just going out and kind of learning from them. But I think being young, it was great because I was like one of them. You know, I'm like, hey, let's go. Let's have at it. You know, inner squad with them. We'd play the kickball games. I mean, some of our best memories aren't even like with bats and balls. We had a game one time we played. We, we didn't have a field, so we're in the gym. So we have a kickball. I'm like, well, we should do something to do with softball because we can't really do kickball. So we put the ball on a tee. Let's just hit it off there. That'll be fun. And we're getting swings in, but we're hitting the ball and we're playing. We're still playing softball. And I'm standing in front of the one girl and I'm like, come on, hit it. I'm being the pitcher for the team. Like, she's like, I don't know. This is going to come off pretty hard. I'm like, swing. Let's get your swings in. Hits me right in the face. Fly back, land on my butt. I'm like, oh. So everybody's hysterical laughing. And, we were, and that was just like classic, like Cabrini stories. Like, that's stuff we did. And they're like, but we did everything together. Like, everything was like a team. And we would get hyped up. And like, the kids I got, I was lucky. I mean, they were just super competitive too. So, We'd be playing these kickball games, and they had so much fun with it and laughing and enjoying it. It was nothing about, like, you know, disciplining. And we did have some certain situations here and there, but for the most part, it was just having a good time winning and getting after it. And, kinda, and that's, I think, how we got better and better. And plus, they were great athletes. So four years at Cabrini, I think 129 wins. So you're averaging more than 30 wins a season. Is there a moment of recognition, like, wow, I'm pretty good at this, and maybe this could be the – the thing I do, or is it just you're kind of in the weeds, succeeding, having fun, you're still pretty young, like, are you not quite putting the pieces of the big picture together yeah, yet? No, our second year we did, well, like, our big goal, and again, it was, like, motivating, then we talked about it now, like, we went to this leadoff classic, it was, like, the big, they still have it, it was Division Three NFC leadoff classic, and it was, like, the best team in the country were there, and we're, like, Cabrini, and our girl, we thought we were pretty good from our first year, but we didn't know how good we were. We end up going, I think it was in LaGrange, Georgia. We go down there. And again, we have limited equipment, limited uniforms, limited players. And we just show up. It was like me and I had to like pay one of my former teammates to like stand at coach first base. We didn't have assistant coaches. It was like, okay, we're going to go and we're going to play. And then we realized how talented we were. So that's when I think I started getting the bug that like we can do this. We can win. We can beat these best teams. And it was even motivating them. Like for them, twin games, like they wanted black socks. I remember down there, like if you win two games, like you'll get black socks. Like that was what motivated them back then. And so little things like that. But then we started going down there. We were beating these teams. So we, the biggest memory we remember was St. Mary's. They were the defending national champions, and we beat them. And it was like 6-2. to two. And then I think our girls were like, now we're in it to win it. Like, now we're like, okay, this is the team. We're going to go win it. We want to go to the NCAA tournament. We want to go to regionals. We want to win a College World Series. This is the Division three level. But we, that's what we want to do. We started winning our conference championships. And that's when I think they were like this gritty. That's when I think I started my philosophy of like, we're going to get these kids. They're just going to get after it, and they're going to compete their butts off. And I think it's from that second year when I had these, and I kind of give it all to the players. Like, that was their personalities, and that's what they wanted. And they refused to lose. Like, they were going to win no matter what. They didn't care that they weren't recruited or they didn't play Division One. They were, they were going to get after it. I think that was when I first thought, like, I could do this for a living. Like, I would love to do this for a living. So four years at Cabrini, you mentioned 129 wins. You go to the Division Re- Division Three Regional Finals twice. You also had a team that at one point led Division Three in pitching, hitting, and fielding. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do. Yeah, they were amazing. Like I said, they were really, really good. Yeah, we were number one in all those, and that's when we lost in the regional finals to go to the World Series. And I honestly believe that, that was probably our worst loss in my coaching career history until this past season. But up until then, that was what kept me up at night. We lost the game. They had to beat us twice. It was William Patterson had to beat us twice to go to the World Series, and they beat us twice. We played one day and the next day. Nowadays, you would play two in, right. two in a day, which I'm always like, if we had played two in a day, we would have been there, but... Back then they did one and one. We had two pitchers, so we could have done one and one. But they or we could have done back to back. We ended up doing one and one, but we we lost that. 
So we didn't obviously go. That's the year that I ended up leaving and taking the Fordham job. But I think that uh, that was one of the biggest kind of turning points in my career. And we have to take a break here now on One on One. More with Bridget Orchard right after this. I'm Matt Leon, sports reporter and anchor here at KYW News Radio. Talking to athletes, coaches, people in Philly sports every day, you find out they have incredible stories to tell. So I started a podcast, a weekly conversation with someone you should know more about. It's called One on One with Matt Leon. Subscribe now wherever you listen. And we're back here on One on One. Our conversation continues with Villanova University softball coach Bridget Orchard. So you mentioned Fordham, and you end up you spent seventeen seasons at Fordham. Were there like when Fordham calls? Are you like, yeah, we're we're doing this, or you know what? Did you feel confident you were ready to make the Division no. One leap? <laughs> no, not at all. No, I didn't. The same thing. I, I I didn't plan on taking that job. I plan on getting experience. Oh, I'll interview for it, but I've only been coaching for four years. You know, I'm Division Three coach. I don't know if I'm going to make this jump to Division One and. Be head coach, but I'll come up. My brother played basketball there, so I was familiar okay. with Fordham. So I knew the area, and I think it was a job that nobody wanted. Like nobody wanted to go to the Bronx. They're like, you can't recruit to the Bronx. How are you going to get in here? And I'm like, well, I'll go, you know, interview and I'll go look at it. So I went up there, same thing, thinking this will be a good experience. So then they offer you the job. You're like, uh. And I really, really didn't want to leave my Cabrini. I remember talking to coaches, like, how do you leave these jobs? Like, I can't leave. I'm not going to leave my Cabrini. Or like, I think that was one of my toughest things to leave those girls. I actually took three of them with me <laughs> because it was like, I'm, I can't leave these guys. Like, the whole team, like, with 12 of us, we were like, a huge family and we, were, we just loved each other. We still talk to each other to this day. So I think that was tough leaving them. So I really it had to be perfect for me to leave because I would have stayed. At, and everybody's like, oh, you want to go Division One? I? I think I would have stayed in Division Three if I could, but it was I wanted to play a better schedule. I wanted to play. We didn't have fall back then for for Division Three. They started to cut it. So we only had them for you know, maybe a few months of the year where Division One, you were allowed to play fall ball. You were able to kind of work out with them year-round. So it was a bigger schedule. And obviously Division One was more exciting with the, with the scholarship opportunities for the players. But as far as the softball stuff, like I, I loved the girls there, so it was like I don't I don't want to leave this situation. It was great, and obviously, it was full time at Fordham, so I was going to get paid a little bit more. And the guy I was dating was working in New York again, so it kind of worked out nice. And I'm like, oh, if I get this, I'll end up moving up there. And so, I mean, yeah, when they offered it to me, I thought about not taking it and staying where I was at, but at the same time, I, I didn't know if I was ready to do a Division One job yet. But obviously, I'm glad I did. So you get the Fordham, and I was looking at the year by years, and. It was a pretty barren landscape until you got there. <laughs> so you get, you're sitting in the office yet that first week and you kind of take that first deep breath and, all right, what do I have? Do you, what do you, what is going through your mind when you really get into the weeds and see what you're inheriting? It was, it was tough. It was really tough again because everybody assumed that Division One is so much better than Division Three. So I get there and my Division Three players would have kick their butts like as far as from worth ethic talent skills drive everything so i'm like who i was expecting myself I'm like oh i'm gonna get these really great athletes and they're gonna be these strong big kids and and, and i should have known better i even just playing knowing i just thought like i played division one and our kids weren't as good but i think that was my biggest surprise i got there and even like their worth ethic like we had kids and i had brought in three girls with me so i had but they couldn't play right away because they transferred in so they just sit a year so they came and sat, which was great. They could practice. They couldn't play. So they were sitting, and, but I had them do practices. Like I had my catcher that came with me. We're doing outfield drills. I used to make them dive for balls, and the Fordham girls weren't diving for balls. So I would make her – we talked to this. Her arms are all bloody and cut up because I'm diving on this turf. She's not even an outfielder. I'm like, Sam, go do this. Just go, go out there and just dive for these to show them how to do it. So I think that helped me that my three girls could show them kind of my drills or our culture and our worth ethic and how we get things done. Like I had girls my first year – 
that asked if they can turn their shirts inside out because they didn't want to get dirty. And I'm like, <gasps> like literally think I'm going to have a panic attack. I'm like, oh, wow, 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 wow. So, and then they wanted to like, they wanted to study abroad and these are scholarships. I'm like, no, that's not like, I expect him to be like, we're going to buy softball 24 hours a day and kind of have the same mindset as me. And then I realized that's not everybody's going to have that. But that was like my first year realizing, okay, this isn't really athletically a step up. You're like, okay, you got to, you got to build your culture. So you got to get the same type of kids that I had at Cabrini, get those same type of kids mentality, physically, and bring them to Fordham, and that's kind of what got our my recruiting philosophy. And I got those type of kids, and then we started winning. But it definitely was more of kind of a mindset, not necessarily even a physical skill set. Just kids that wanted to play and work hard, and they wanted to get dirty. And they would say, "Oh, my parents are coming this weekend, and so I'm going to miss practice. We're going to dinner." And it's like, "No, you're not. You're not missing practices. You're not going to dinners. You're not doing that stuff. Like we're going to be practicing every single day." And so I think that was the first couple of years at Fordham, just getting that mindset that it's a commitment. And this is what we're going to do. So. When you're at Fordham, you know, in a few years, are you kind of thinking, I'm going to be here for the, the duration? Like, did you really start to think? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I love it. was also like I knew that's like I wasn't going to get a different job. You know, I was like, I need to build this up here. And again, I think I got the job. I don't think people wanted the job. So I was like, hey, taking this job, I kind of liked the idea of kind of building something, too. And I'm like, hey, I can because everybody was telling me I couldn't do it. You know, they're like, oh, why would you go there? You can't recruit to the Bronx, play in this conference. You don't have a great field. It's so hard to get into that school. How are you going to get girls? And I'm like, and I think my personality was like, I'm, I like that. I was like, I can do this. I definitely can do this. I'm proving them wrong. And then I got there. And I'm like, I knew and my brother had gone there, so I knew it was a beautiful school. I knew all the positives about it. Had I, had I not known what I knew about Fordham, I might have been skeptical as well. But I'm like, no, this campus is beautiful. And there's so many things to do around here. And it's New York City. And how can you not recruit 18-year-old in New York City? So I was excited about that piece of it. So I kind of, in my back of my mind, I thought I can get it done. I didn't know that we were going to be as successful as we were. But I think I was like, I like the challenge of doing it. And I also thought it was realistic. And I, these people that said you couldn't do it, I'm like. I think we can get this done. And they, they had been getting killed. You know, these are like, oh, they lost 10 by 10 runs every game. And then when I got to see what they were doing, I'm like, well, they don't practice. They didn't have a field. I mean, they took their people are studying abroad. So they had no fall. Like they didn't have any really structure. I'm like, if you put that all together, we didn't have scholarships. I think we had like six when I got there. And then we kind of built them up each year. So you're starting to get some scholarship kids in there, starting the commitment. And then we started building from there. But I think the fun of it was just getting them to compete. And the fact that people didn't think we could do it made it exciting for me. How long did it take at Fordham before you realized what you wanted to do was going to work? Like, I think your first season wins and loss, you were, mm-hmm. it's Terrible. transition. But then it looked like year two, you're, you're off and running. Was it, even at the end of that first year, maybe the wins and losses aren't there, but do you start to feel like, uh, I'm I'm seeing the foundation being built? Or was that first year a complete wash? Um, first year was a lot of tears. <laughs> A lot of crying, a lot of tears. I think that's when I actually got engaged. I think my husband said, like, I, he proposed, but he wasn't planning to at that time. But it was like I needed he needed something good to happen because I remember driving home from games. Like, and again, I was coming from Cabrini, and we had won like forty two. I think we were forty two on like five. So I'd, I'm used to winning. We win every every game. I used to win. I'm coming to Fordham. Our first year we were fourteen and forty three, and I still always remember that record from you know twenty five years of coaching. Um, so we didn't win very often. And I remember like driving home crying and thinking, oh my God, what did I do? Like just losing every game. And we would hang in there till like the fourth or the fifth, and then we'd get, then we'd lose, then we'd lose. I mean, we didn't, we won 14 games. So it was tough. Um, but I still think I liked it. Like I had a lot of support from the administration and they were helping me out and the campus and the community was there. So, and I knew that when I, I hadn't brought any of my, my girls from Karini couldn't play, they were sitting that year right. too. So I'm like, okay, next year. And we did, we had really good turnaround the next year, but. What I had, so I had the three girls that had transferred in. My best catcher, 
So Jamie Chastain, she was currently, she was a junior at Fordham when I got there. Our very first game of the season, she breaks her collarbone. She was our best player. Again, she breaks it, and of course, I'm crying. I'm like, oh my gosh. Now we're, I, we were bad, and now I'm like, now we're really bad, because she's gone, and she was like kind of the heart and soul of our team. So she goes down, but she ends up getting to be able to redshirt. So now I have my Cabrini girls that are redshirt, three of them. Jamie's coming back. It was our best player at the time. So now I have four kids that are going to separate along with my recruits that I'm bringing in, and I was bringing in some really good pitching, some hitters. So that's why we had that big turnaround, because it wasn't like, oh, we have five freshmen out there. I'm like, okay, I have three of my experienced kids that know what we're doing, and they were going to be juniors. And I have a kid that was hurt. She's back. And I think she, that would have been her senior year she came back for. And then my freshman. So I like kind of had a team together, not really even on purpose, kind of fell into place that way. But that's why that first year was, was bad. And that second year turned it around pretty quick because we had all these kids coming in. And, and that, that was awesome. And then, like you said, we kind of took off from there. So I think it kind of that first year, the loss and the grit made you work that much harder, though. So it's like you do not want to go through a season like that again. So then when we started winning and kind of took off from there, but we always kind of had in the back of the mind, like, we know how bad it can be. So, I mean, it sucks to lose and it's torture, but things do come from that. Because if we won right away, even if we were just like 500, like, okay, kind of ride through. But I think losing fired me up even more to be like, how we get, we got to win because we're not going to go through seasons like that again. So I mentioned 17 seasons at Fordham. You win more than 600 games. You dominated the Atlantic 10. You become the elite team in the Atlantic 10. So getting the Villanova job, is there a, a part of you, because it does sounds like you were very happy at Fordham. Yes. Is this a situation where I'm not leaving, but if they call, <laughs> I'll listen? Um, yeah, and absolutely. Like, I had no plans on leaving. Like, I loved Fordham. I loved the people there. I loved my players. And like I said, we were rolling. It was like, this is great. I mean, I built this up here. Why would you, you want to leave this here? But like you said, at the same time, you talked to Mark Jackson, who's the athletic director of Villanova. And even talking to the first time, I'm like, nah, you know, I'm good. I'll help you find somebody. I'll help you. I'm Villanova alum. I'll help you. But, you know, I'm, I'm not interested. We played down there in the fall. I wasn't a real big fan of the facilities. And so I'll help. And then the more I talked to him, he was a big selling point. The more I talked to him, the more I'm like, I want to work for this guy. Like, this guy got it together. He was so family-oriented. He was ambitious. He loved softball. Then when I started meeting with him, he had come up to New York a couple of times with the basketball program, and they were at the garden. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll come talk to you a little bit. And the more that I met with him, the more I talked to him, the more I started leaning towards, okay, you know what, we're going to go. And my, my husband's a Villanova grad as well. So his family was here. So the pieces all really seemed to fit together. The toughest part, I think, was my children. So I had a seventh and eighth grader and a third grader, and I'm like, they're not going to want to move. Right. But for us, the timing even that was right for us because it was now or never. Like, we didn't want to move them once they got to high school. But being middle school and elementary school, and Isabel, my youngest elementary school, she wouldn't know the difference. The boys, they're st- it's still tough for them right now, but – it was a good time to move them where if we hit this job would have opened up next year, we might not have even looked at it because we would have been like, we're not, my husband still works in New York. So he's up there. They, they we probably wouldn't have moved. So literally the timing ended up being perfect to, to make this switch. And again, I, you know, I loved my time at Villanova. If there's one school that I want to go to, it would be Villanova. And did I, did I hear, I think on a podcast, another interview you did that uh, he had Jay Wright give you a recruiting call? Yep, yeah, so I talked to Jay right on the phone. I'm like, oh, my God. I think I was, like, blushing just even getting the phone call. And I'm like, what? Because Mark's great. Mark Jay, he's amazing. So I was like, oh, he pulled that out of his back pocket. So that was great because I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I was definitely interested. And so then you get a voicemail from Jay Wright, and my boys are big basketball. My husband's big basketball. And I'm like, oh, he's calling me. You know, what's he calling me for? Um, so that was pretty cool. So I was able to talk to him for a while, and he was just great. And he was just talking about the job and coming and where he came from. And his son had gone to Fordham, so he knew Fordham. And he just talked a lot about kind of what he thought you could do at Villanova and the opportunities got me excited about it. And the basketball coach, they had a lot of connections too. So the basketball coach at Fordham, Tom Pacora, 
had coached with them and they were mm-hmm. good friends. So then I was able to talk to Tom, call him up, and he was like, you know, big risk, for big reward. Because I was like, I don't know. You know, I'm leaving this huge thing to go to this. Like, I don't know if it didn't. That was kind of his thing that kind of stuck with me when it had Coach Pecora was like, it is a big risk, but there's going to be big rewards for you if, if you take this chance. And they believed in it and he kind of believed in me and so like, helped me make the jump for sure. So you replaced Maria DiBernardi, who was your coach. Yes. Yep. Uh, weird at all? The person that you, to replace the person you played for? I think for? it was awesome. I think it was so cool. Um, and she's still such a good mentor to me now. I mean, even when I played for her, she was big into even like taking care of me as a person. You know, I had some health issues. She was on top of that. Like my wedding, she was there for it. She, I had my children. She was a nurse when she coached me as well. So she was part time. She'd half nursing, half coaching. So she was kind of doing caring two hats at the same time. She had a young daughter that was my daughter's age at the time I played. So it was really weird. So. Now her daughter's obviously grown, but I have Isabel at the same time. So we're kind of similar paths that we're kind of following here. And I think the biggest thing with her coming in and taking over, I felt a sense of like comfort. You know, you're coming in, you know, she has your back, you know, she supports you. She was, I think, just as excited as my parents were that I got the job. So I think that helped me a lot, knowing that she was proud. I mean, I still talk to her, like, I want to make you proud. You know, I want to make you proud. And it's the program that you built, it's your program. And it gives me more incentive to like, I want this thing to go really well because she put her time, her life into this. And so I think it was cool, but I think there was some pressure because it's like, okay, you know what? She built this, she played here, you better not screw this up. So, I, th- but it's good. I mean, I still talk to her probably weekly now just to get advice and ideas and throw things off of her. So as we're talking, if my math's right, I think you have 782 wins as a collegiate softball coach. So good. Ch- I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> that's including division threats, okay, including your yeah. time at Cabrini and all that. So you're, I mean, you're my age. We're not old. You're Good. you're approaching 800 wins, and you've got a chance. You know, because I was looking at the NCAA record book, and I don't. You've got a chance to really put some. Do you ever take a step back and think about the success you've had and the success you could still have, and the 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 whole picture what this could be at the end of the road? Not until you just said it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, no. I mean, really, it is like you're just go by, go by, go by. People have that the milestone wins, and they're like, oh, you have this many wins, this many wins, and like. You don't even really think about it. You're just going and, like I said, just competing. It's like, I just want to win. And I, and I have goals. Like, I want to get to that. We want to get to that World Series. We want to get there. So you're each year you're trying to get up there. And the wins are coming and coming, but you don't even realize that it's, that it's happening because you're kind of focused on that. But as far as, like, the milestones, how many wins you're getting or how many losses you're having, I'm more of kind of the – I want to get a lot of rings and a lot of championships. And I think that's what we're focused on is, like, let's get a championship. And obviously win, wins will come from that. So I am excited about the future. And, like, some people said, like, oh, you've been coaching. I don't feel like I've been coaching that long. Like, and then I look back, I'm like, wow, I really have been – even 17 years of Fordham, and I don't even think I realized I was there that long until I took this job and everybody kept saying – Because all the press releases and everything. Years. I'm like, <laughs> I was there for 17 years? <laughs> like, wow, I didn't even realize that. Um, because it goes by so fast and I was having so much fun with it. And then I realized, well, I have been coaching for a while – and I still feel like, hey, I, I'm going to be doing this for the next 40 years. Like, I feel like I'll never not want to do this anymore. It's still really fun and exciting for me. So it, that, that, and the years go by. Even this summer, it's like, where'd June go? All of a sudden, it's July, and we're going to get back. Freshmen are coming in, in the fall, and we'll be ready to go for another spring. We're doing our schedule for next year. So we're already excited for 2020 schedule, and we're still not into the fall yet. So it's, it's definitely one of those processes that just keeps going and get excited about it. I see a lot of softball on TV now. And that wasn't the case, I would say, even five, six right. years ago. I mean, it was probably on, but it is very much primetime ESPN, ESPN2. Like, you don't have to work hard to find it. Yes. Are you, obviously, I'm sure you're happy about the progress that way. Are you surprised? Like, if I told you oh, yes. back in 1998, 99, 
would you have said, I don't think so? Or No, definitely surprised and definitely excited about it. I know even the World Series this year, they're like shattering records for attendance records to come to you know World Series. And now I think every single game of the regionals, Super Regionals, and World Series are all on ESPN. Because it's so easy to find it, and it's huge because that's when actually people see it, and they're like, oh, that's what you do, you know? And they're like, like oh, you're a softball coach. Okay, what is that? And they're like, I'm like, and now people you know, like yourself that may never saw it are like, I saw it on TV. That's really exciting. And now they have the pro league going. Those games are being televised. It's just people seeing. And I think that's the thing about our sport. And even a lot of the guys, they don't really see it until they might have a daughter that plays. And they're like, oh, this is a really cool sport. And it's one of those things that I think you need to see. I used to say that about Ford. I'm like, you need to get on campus to see how great it really is. And it was hard to get them to campus. Once they got there, they they were hooked. And same thing with softball. It's like, come watch a few games. Like, come watch a game. And you're going to get hooked, and you're really going to like it. So I think the ESPN has been great for us because people that wouldn't normally watch it, if you're just out at a bar and all of a sudden it's on, you're like, wow, this sport is pretty intense. And they are making diving catches. And they're making great plays, and they're turning double plays, and they're super athletic. And the sport has just gotten so much better. I mean, the plays that they're making are ridiculous. And I think now people see that, and it's fun to watch. And then it's just going to grow and grow and grow from there. But now they're making more money because of it. And I think it's going to be eventually a really big sport. But no, when I took the job years ago, I never anticipated it would be – you know, even a full-time job at that time. I thought, I'll do that on the side. And now it's literally we're getting full-time head coaches, full-time assistant coaches, director of operations. It could be younger girls that are graduating now. It can be your job. Before, I'm like, I don't know if you want to go into coaching. Like, you're not going to make a lot of money. And now it's like, hey, if you do it and you do it really well, you can make a lot of money doing it. Boil it down. And like I said, the, the passion just exudes out of you. Favorite part of the job. Number one, top of the depth chart. Is it game day? Is it recruiting? Is it number one thing? Um, definitely the games. I mean, the games are the fun part. Everybody's like, oh, what do you know? Like, now is like the grind. You know, you're getting teams ready, and the fall is a grind. It's hard, and you're with strength and conditioning and practices and preparations, and then, like, game day comes. There's nothing better than, like, just getting there in the fresh, crushed grass, and they're lining the field, and it's like games, and they matter. Because we do a lot of inner squads at the beginning, and it, it's so nice to play against another team. <laughs> so game days are definitely something that we look forward to. And especially our preseason, I think it's me really excited because we always go try to play the best of the best. So we're getting out there and we want to try to play top 25 teams. I just got an email about possibly Wisconsin coming to play us at Villanova. And you kind of go back and forth. And I sent to my assistant coach, I'm like, what do you think here? And then I'm like, well, we, we should do it. So one year at Fordham, we had Alabama come play us and we ended up winning. They went on and won the national championship two weeks later. So it's just these cool opportunities. Like I like to put our girls in that position, but also for us, those are huge opportunities to like, hey, we can go in there and you can you know, knock off an SEC team or they can come play you and you're seeing the best of the best. For ours, it's a great experience for them. They can go play against these best players. But plus, it's also preparing us for our postseason. So when we get to play the Big East Conference games, and we used to do that in the A-10 as well, and it's kind of similar where now you're playing these teams early on. When you get to your conference, you're not nervous. You're like, we've bet, we've seen this before. And in fact, we've probably seen even faster than we're seeing right now. So I think the game sped up for you early on. And we usually do take our lumps. And it, it is draining. And every year I know what's going to happen. I'm still disappointed when we're losing or we may not even score a run or we're getting beat 10 nothing in the first inning. But you always have to check yourself. Say, okay, this is this is going to be better in the long run. And it, and it has worked. So I've seen it. We'll, we'll go our first you know month and we may be you know 10 and 20. We're not even close to 500. But then we get back to our regular season home games, conference games, and we just start climbing, climbing, climbing. So usually by postseason, we're ready to go. So we've always had a really successful postseason. I think it's because our preseason stuff suffer that physically, but also mentally. I think the girls know they're prepared to play against these teams. And I think that's one of my fun, funnest things is just kind of seeing them compete at a level and then watching them grow and get better as they get going. So when you put it all together, and I think right at the top of the answer for this is your passion for it, but 
What do you think maybe sets you apart from other coaches? Um, I don't know. I like to think that I, and the players probably tell you differently. I like to think I can relate well with them. Like, I still think that I'm like 20 years old and I try to feel the ball and I like hurt my back. And I'm like, okay, you can't do that anymore. I've, I've learned that lesson. I'm, I stopped throwing BP last year and let my assistants do a little bit. But I think that I'm able to relate well with them. And I think being a mom now has helped me a ton too. So, I can treat these girls like they're my own. So I I have kids. I know what they're going through, and I know how I want my kids to be treated by a coach. So I think being able to relate to them but also being able to bring my family experience in there, I think that's the other thing I love about Villanova is with Mark, with the whole athletic department, he's – Preaches family, 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 and even you know the Jay Wrights and everybody's kind of looking up to them, being able to see like what they're doing with their program, and it really comes back to the relationships. I feel like coaching is about relationships, and all the girls that we've crossed paths with, every girl that I've, all my players, you form this relationship with. I think that's kind of fun and unique, and I think I'm I do that pretty well. I think I can get involved with them, and I really care about what they're doing outside of softball. And it's so fun. I mean, we're going to their weddings, and they're having babies, and I think that's the coolest thing too. So we have a network of all these kids that you've coached, and now you see them go on. And they're, some of them are coaching themselves, which is really cool. You know, obviously some of them are doing, you know, we have nurses and doctors and lawyers. And it's just kind of cool to be like, wow, you kind of had a part in their lives, which is, is neat for me to see them do all that stuff. We had a time machine and I go back to 1998 and I tell you that uh, come 2019, you'll be approaching 800 wins and you'll be a Division One softball coach. Could you have even on no. any scenario fathomed that? No, like I said, I didn't even think I was going to be a coach. You know, I would have been like, no, nah, I'm going to do this for a few years till I get a real job. <laughs> I'm going to get a real job. And I'm going to make some money. And no, I would have never thought that I would, you know, would have got the division one job or would have had the athletes that I've had or had as much fun as I've been doing. And obviously even my own family, like going through where I started, obviously I started, I had no children, <laughs> wasn't married. And as I got going, when I got to Fordham, I got married. We had our first, I think the first time we had beaten UMass ever, like in our history was, it was a Monday and I didn't have a daycare for my firstborn, so Lucas was there, and I had to have him in a stroller next to the thing because I'm like, I, I have to I have to have him here. And that's the first time we won. I think then we started winning. I'm like, wow, these kids are good luck now. <laughs> so then I had two more. Um, but they've been great, and obviously my husband's been amazing. I wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff because he's been able to take the kid. And they're like, how do you do this? And he's like the guy behind the scenes that gets no credit for it. He's like – I'm doing all this stuff, but he's working in New York and he's doing a full-time job, but yet he's handling when I'm away on the road and he has these three kids and I have a daughter and two boys and they're doing all their sports and he's running around doing that kind of stuff. So definitely without him and his support, we would, I wouldn't be able to coach at all. Bridget Orchard, thanks so much for coming in. No problem. Thank you. And that'll do it for this week's episode. One-on-one is an original sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And you can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks again to Villanova University softball coach Bridget Orchard. You can follow her on Twitter at Bridget Orchard. My name is Matt Leon. Come back next week for another conversation with someone you should know more about.